Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. This is your uh, the first the first episode of Pod Strickland in 2023. So happy New Year to everybody! Uh, I am joined on this Monday morning. Uh, unfortunately for me and Stacy, definitely not a victory Monday morning. Uh, <laughs> I'm joined by Stacy, my co-host. That is at Stacy Bad 89. Stacy, how are you? Uh, how are you? How have you recovered since New Year's Eve? I, I, I enjoyed Diwali a lot more as far as New Year's goes this year. Um, uh, I mean, did the Bills win yesterday? At least you got that, right? No, we played tonight. It's actually the biggest game of the year. We're playing the Bengals tonight. So uh, I I have I have an out, potentially, but I'm not super confident about playing the Bengals at their place on the road on a Monday night. Uh, but I'm also focused on the Knicks playing the Suns today. We will talk about that. First, I want to welcome first-time guest on the pod, long-time listener, long-time Twitter hater of all. Uh, his name is Larry Israel. Larry, how are you doing? Terrific. So glad to be here. wanted to ask Stacy, what did you think the odds were that uh, the Eagles would be playing for everything and the Giants would have nothing to gain in that last <laughs> game of the season? It's a, I wouldn't call it a must-win. But uh, it's definitely a weird turn of events. Yeah, it is definitely. Well, you don't I, want to be the number one seed? <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a must-win, though. A must-win is like they would miss the playoffs. Oh, um, it definitely kind of sucks. And if we if hurt if hurts gets hurt again, wow. <laughs> um, that would be uh, that would be a very unfortunate series of events. But everything in football appears to be an unfortunate series of events at this point. So yes. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Foot, football is not a real sport as, uh, as I have learned this weekend. Um, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Please give us a follow. Check that out. That is at strick.land on Instagram. Please give us a follow again. Uh, we also have a YouTube where you may or may not be watching this podcast. If you are watching this podcast on YouTube, I would love and appreciate if you stopped everything you're doing right now, gave us a like, and subscribe to our channel. Help us get to a thousand. It would be a big help. We also have a Patreon, uh, which has a number of tiers. We have a six dollar tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that is hosted every other week by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag. We also have a Strickland Discord, which you get access to. That's where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier. $50 tier and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So, without further ado, um, 
the Knicks broke oh, their losing streak at Houston. Uh, they they won 108-88, dominating performance, uh, specifically by the starters. They just locked up. They they locked up the Rockets. The Rockets are not a good team. Um, they do not have a point guard, no matter how much people want to believe Kevin Porter Jr. is a point guard. Um, but it was good. It was I was I was very happy to see the Knicks win that game, and I think two players obviously stand out above the rest to me. Anyway, um, Julius Randle, uh, the subject of much of my ire over the past few months has been excellent, and he was excellent against Houston. I thought he was excellent against Dallas. I thought he was excellent against the Spurs. Uh, did he have a great defense? I think his defense against the Spurs left much to be desired, but I'm not going to kill a guy when he has to do as much as he had to do on offense uh, if they take some possessions off on defense. So uh, I think he's been great, and then I think quickly, look, uh, Tom Thibodeau doesn't want to give the guy credit. God forbid. Um, but I will. I think he's been fantastic. Yes, the scoring efficiency leaves something to be desired, but again, the Knicks have, this is a crazy turn of events, the Knicks not just have one good point guard, they have two, and quickly is one of them, and I think fans should fucking appreciate that instead of bitching and moaning and crying, oh, we didn't get Tyrese Halliburton, oh, quickly doesn't make enough shots, shut up, just fucking be happy that you have a really good player that you drafted 25th overall, and a guy who is tremendously versatile. He is, he's one of, he's probably the most versatile player on the team. And uh, he deserves a lot of credit for that. And he deserves a lot of credit for how he stepped up in the absence of Jalen Brunson, who to me has been the best player on the team throughout the season. But like, you know, at at the very minimum, what he's the best or second best guy on the team. Um, The fact that you're, he's able to step up and we should have gone, let's be real. We should have won the Dallas game. Um, So like, you're, you're talking about a totally, I think there's a totally different feeling about not just the team, but also how quickly it stepped up if they win that game. And um, yeah, him and him and Randall have been fantastic in this three-game stretch. They're the only reason, or the, the primary reasons, I should say, that the team has been competitive in all these games and has had a chance to win all these games and actually did win the game in Houston. Yeah, um, I will be completely honest. Um, I did not watch the Rockets game. Um, why? I, I think you can figure <laughs> out why. Interesting side note. Well, all right. I don't want to keep talking about this, but I will say uh, the Mavericks game, I believe the Mavericks play in Dallas. Um, the Cowboys game against the Eagles last week, there were two fumbled handoffs. Um, <laughs> and that cost them a game. And then TCU is is apparently in Fort Worth, Texas. So I got no love for that region. Um, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, I think Randall's play has been a revelation. Um, watching some of the replays from Houston, it seems, you know, pretty common about the stretch. Uh, you know, I think with quickly, it's worth noting, yes, the efficiency is not where you'd like it to be, but you have to understand when they're losing, um, RJ and Brunson, that's like, 50, gonna, that's like 55 usage. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to take some... That happens to every team, by the way. Yeah. Right? Um, so, and maybe this was a good way to kind of to kind of stretch him out so that now when Brunson comes back, now when he can take more of a backseat, you know, he'll still... He'll be able to, you know... It's... Um, sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone to add something to your game. That having said that, I think 
all things considered, he's moved the ball well. Um, I think he, you know, the shooting is still coming, but I don't, I haven't hated the shot selection. Um, Houston was a little bit of an uglier shooting line than San Antonio, but for the most part, I think he's taking good shots. Um, and, uh, and they've managed without their two of their best players. I, I think Randall has a case. I still think Brunson is their engine. I would agree with you, but, um, but I mean, Randall just adds he's so much awesome. to the offense. Yeah. And, and it's worth saying, uh, and Larry, I'll, I'll kick it over to you because I know you've been um, a defender of Randall's, particularly when it comes to getting Schwinn's ire. Um, it's worth noting that Randall probably makes Brunson better too um, by accentuating some of his, you know, by his cuts with kind of his playmaking that takes the pressure off Brunson to make like the the pass that becomes the assist. Um, so Larry, I, I throw it over to you. Like, what are kind of your thoughts on on this recent stretch? Uh, Randall in particular, you can definitely victory lap that because I know both me and Schwinn were a little bit more pessimistic on him before. I, I think the, the fairest thing to be about Randall is to say that he's done what you guys said he couldn't do, which is change the way he plays. And I think that's the reason why he's been so much better. He's been going to the basket. He's been um, moving the ball. And, and, and there, there are some times in the fourth quarter where you get him in ISOs where he – has dribbled it a bit too much, and but he made some passes against Houston that were eye-opening. The cross-court pass to Grimes, the when he gets caught in a double, now he has places to go with it. And it, and you know, I, I think that the, the team is more um, they're they're willing to move, knowing that he will give it up. Where it seemed like even in his best year, when he got the ball there, everyone sort of just stood where they were, knowing it was going up. Uh, the the parts of Randall's game that I've always believed the Knicks couldn't do without is he still gets doubled whether Nick fans think he is a good offensive player or not or whether but you have to have draw double teams in the NBA to have a functional offense and top ten they're a top ten offense and that's because you have to help off of the three of them R J Randall and Brunson. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like, that's probably the best or the most I could reasonably praise Randall is to say exactly what you mentioned, that, like, and I, I'll i own this. Like, I didn't believe in his ability to adapt into, I don't want to say a lower usage role because that's not what's happening, but a different type of usage um, because I thought he'd gotten too used to being the man uh, over the last two, three years. So to see the fact that he's been willing and able to adapt his usage to play off of Brunson, I think says a lot about, look, we, I disagree with you that about his play last year. Like I genuinely don't, yes, there are reasons why he struggled, but I also think he created a lot of his own issues and I don't put that entirely on Tibbs. I don't put that entirely on the supporting talent. I think he has to own that. And, and the reason I will say that is because like right now, the stretch, they don't have Brunson. And uh, unless you're like a mega Julius hater, I think you got to say the way he's playing, even in Brunson's absence and RJ's absence, um, is really different and encouraging from what he was doing last year. So like, and, and that's a compliment. Like he, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, I also like during this stretch, I know that like there are times he shows his emotions in directing his teammates very passionately, let's say. Uh, <laughs> but like, but I actually like that, yeah, I, I actually like that in this stretch um, because I don't, 
it, it, I know it's like very aggressive at times, but I, it doesn't feel like it's coming from a place of absolute frustration and anger at his teammates. It, it, it feels like it's coming from a place of like, I need you to do this because it helps us win the basketball game or it will help us win the basketball game. I, I think there's a different energy with him in those moments than there was last year. Um, and I think you specifically see that with Deuce, where like I think he is very frustrated with Deuce, but I also think he understands like Deuce is a guy who shouldn't be playing thirty five. He's not supposed to be playing thirty five minutes a night. He's a guy that's supposed to play fifteen minutes a night and lock up for those fifteen minutes, and then you know Brunson comes back in or RJ comes back in or whatever. And I think he understands that and is dealing with that the best way he can. Um, and like. To, to bring it back to kind of some of the issues the Knicks are experiencing right now as a team, um, like, there's always a lot of frustration, and I understand it with, like, RJ and his efficiency, and, you know, he has these stretches where it's like, he'll go from, like, 7 of 10 from the field to, like, 7 of 17, and you're like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Like, <laughs> what are you, what's going on? But I think you're seeing with how Grimes has played in his absence how Deuce has played in his absence. Like there and and I think everybody knows this inherently, but it's hard to understand it in real time. Like there is a value and there is something to be said about like when you're willing to have those bad shooting nights, that says something about you as a player in a good way potentially. Um obviously there are times where RJ's shot selection sucks, although I would say that hasn't been the case recently, even on his bad shooting nights. Um but, like, you just need guys to be willing to miss shots and take shots and, like, live with the results. And I think that's where Quickly deserves a lot of credit for when he, how he stepped in right now. Like, he was 9-25 against the Spurs, and there are a lot of, there are people I saw that were, like... You mean you know, the Rockets? Or, yeah, yeah, sorry, against the Rockets. Um, there are people that I saw that were criticizing his shot selection, you know, oh, he's not getting teammates involved, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, one, I just totally reject the idea he's not getting teammates involved. Like, it, he can't... He can't make Grimes take shots. He can't make Deuce take shots. He definitely cannot make... You've never made shots. someone take shots on New Year's Eve? Sure. He's like the very giving it to Julius, though. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and it's like... And that's my same thing with Julius right now, too, is like, you can't criticize these guys for taking the shots they're taking in any situation, really, to me, because they have to. Um, there's nobody else that's creating offense on this team other than Derrick Rose, who probably should not be playing minutes and won't be playing minutes. Hopefully. Very, yeah. <laughs> hopefully very soon will not be playing minutes. Um, but like, I, I just think, you know, you got to live with nine for 25 from the field because one, I think quickly is, I love Grimes. I think Grimes is a really, really good defender. I don't, I don't believe that he's a better defender right now than Emmanuel quickly. One-on-one -on -one isolation stuff. Sure. But that's not, the entirety of NBA defense. Uh, there's a lot more to it, and I think quickly is super, like, all, all the numbers bear it out, right? He's been arguably the Knicks' best defender all season, uh, and definitely their best defender aside from Mitch, in my opinion. So, like, I think that's one thing he's giving you that, like, I think we all love Brunson, but it's fair to say Brunson is obviously not giving you that on defense. Um, and then, on top of that, like, this is a guy who um, I've talked about this with Stacey. Me and Stacey have disagreed on this, actually. But, like, I think he has not been empowered when Brunson and RJ are both healthy along with Randall to be a shot creator, to be really empowered to run the offense. 
Um, and I think the fact that obviously with both them out, he gets a lot more leeway. Uh, the fact that he's been able to come in and do the job that he's been able to do kind of like without really having the reps prior to the stretch, like it's, it's really a credit to him. And, um, I thought Julius's comments after they lost to the Spurs, he said something along the lines of like, he basically was appreciative of the fact that quickly is taking a lot of shots. Um, that he is stepping up in the absence of a Brunson and an RJ. Um, and, you know, to, to praise Ar- Randall again, like, I think Randall has shown a lot better and, and really, like, downright good leadership this year. Whereas last year, I thought he failed entirely in that capacity. Um, I think he's been a really good example this year, at least in terms of what he's saying publicly and how he's responded um, to questions when asked by the media. I think he's shown a lot more willingness to take ownership of failures. I thought it was really cool when he took the blame after they lost to Chicago because I didn't think that was on him at all. Um, and I think it was really big of him to kind of like take the take that bu- bite the bullet really for what was Brunson failing at the end of the game and Grimes failing at the end of the game. Um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I just think that comment he made about quickly after the Spurs game is in the same vein where it's like, He's he's re- he's showing leadership by praising a guy who's coming in, and is he doing a perfect job? No, absolutely not. But like he is doing a job that is difficult, and it's not easy, and there's pressure and blah blah blah. But he's doing it to the best of his abilities, and I think he's doing a good job. And I think Julius is genuinely appreciative of that um, because he also knows that like you know, look, Grimes is a second year player, Deuce is a second year player. It's hard for them to just be like, yeah, I'm going to take 15, 20 shots and I don't care how many go in. I'm just going to keep pulling the trigger. Like, it's hard to have that mentality uh, and quickly has shown that he does have that mentality for better or worse. Um, so I think I just think both of those guys, Julius and, and quickly, and I know we've talked about them for a long time here, but like they just both deserve a lot of credit. Um, and I think fans in general, myself included, just should be appreciative of what they're giving us right now. I, I think that, you know, one thing you should look at with quickly shots is how many of those shots that he missed were balls that he got handed with three seconds left in, on the shot clock or mm-hmm. four seconds left on the shot clock where there's no choice but for him to shoot it. There's at least three or four in the Houston game, and I would say maybe even more than that, where Deuce kicked the ball back to him or even Randall gave him, I know, a few short hands in there. Maybe that's why he was so appreciative of it. Randall trying to set something up, four seconds left, kicks it to quickly. It's going to be a bad shot. You know what I mean? If he, And he made a couple of them. I, I, I think I couldn't agree with you more about quickly's defense. I think it is incredibly underappreciated, his team defense, how many times he doesn't allow a pass. Maybe there's no deflection or whatever, but just his movements – uh, I, I, I just I love the way he's playing, and I think uh, you know <clears throat> when when these guys get healthy, I think his role has to be increased. Yeah, I he's got to be like I'm sorry, like I, I think he's got to play at minimum to me 25 minutes a night. And one of the most frustrating things for me this this entire year, but also going back to last season, is like 
okay, look, you can sit there and we can argue, okay, they should have drafted Halliburton instead of Obi. Okay, like, Desmond Bain is better than Emmanuel Quickly. Fine. Like, if, if you want to have those things, that's fine. But at the end of the day, the Knicks hit a fucking home run with the 25th pick in the draft. They hit an absolute home run. And I am not sure, I mean, I'm not sure at all, I'm not convinced at all, that they even understand what they have in him. And at times it feels like they're not interested in really even finding out. But, like, they hit a home run with this kid. And they have to give him more opportunities. And, like, I'm fine with, like, even even as a massive IQ stan, fan, believer, whatever, like, I'm not upset that they signed Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's a damn good player, and he's been awesome for the Knicks, and they got him on a good contract. Like, he's been great, and he adds value in the sense of, like, the Knicks, I think, going back the last few years, have basically been the worst team in the league in terms of two-point percentage. Brunson's a massive boost there. He's one of the best two-point shot makers in the league, especially for a smaller guard. So, I have no problem with them signing Brunson, but like the way that Tibbs has run the rotation and the way he presents the lineup and the substitution patterns and the and the rotations, like the way he chooses to deploy and these things, like he's almost gaslit the fan base into viewing Brunson and quickly as a binary, like one or the other. But like the actual data is saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, of course they can play. Without, like, they both can thrive when the other is off the floor, but they also play really well together. And the Knicks have that ability. They should, they should be more willing to use that ability to close games with them together. That's why I was so pissed after that Chicago game because, like, I like again, I think Grimes is awesome, and I think Grimes, you know, is he he will close most games, and I'm totally fine with that. But like, he's not at the level yet as a player where like. When he's having a bad game, it's fine to play quickly over him to close a game. He's not like, you know, he's not fucking like Kobe Bryant or something. It's okay if Quentin Grimes doesn't close a singular basketball game. And we've seen Tibbs do that with RJ. So Grimes shouldn't be any different. That's what pissed me off about the Chicago game so much because quickly had it going that game. He was coming off of what was an absolute heater against Toronto before that and a game against Golden State where he went off. Uh, he was cooking again. I think he had 15-3-3 three three in 21 minutes in that game. He was just better than Grimes in that game. That's not uh, that's not like a criticism of Grimes. It's just the reality of what was going on. And I, I, I will push back on one thing here. Sorry, I'll let you finish first. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, all I was going to say is just like, I think in that game you've got you've to coach like, coaching is hard and it's also reactive to like, like yes, there are broader trends you have to track but then you have to apply them in real time in one-off situations. But I just thought that was such an obvious situation where quickly was giving you way more than Grimes on both ends of the floor, and you just needed to close them. So I like I was pissed. I mean, I, I tweeted out at the time that like I I tried to like not shit on Tibbs uh, by what I said. It I was like I'm not sure about bringing Grimes in for quickly, but like I, I did. I was not happy about it, um, and. Look, they lost the game. I don't know if they lost the game specifically because of that, um, but I would have, I would feel, I would, I would posit that the Knicks probably win that game if quickly closes over Grimes. Uh, yeah. So who I would, so the first thing I'd say is um, I'll push back on the idea that Tibbs views quickly and Brunson as a binary. 
Um, he so so far it's what um they've played thirty seven games. He's played them three hundred and twenty six minutes together. So counting some of the games where either one of them is out, that's about ten minutes a game, which is not nothing, right? They get about they've been getting close to ten minutes. A, I think that's more than either you or I or most Knicks fans would have even expected this summer. Um, on the Chicago game, I personally probably would have gone with quickly because I don't mind him on bigger defenders. I think he's actually a little bit better on bigger defenders than smaller ones. But given that the ball was going to be in Levine's and DeRozan's hands for 90%, I do get that from that standpoint playing Grimes. Bigger doesn't always mean a better defender, but I also think they're close enough, especially on ball. And you knew that Chicago was going to play very much an ISO style late. Um... I didn't, that, of Tibbs' decisions this, this year, like, I probably have less of an issue with that. Um, but, um, but I do agree that quickly should be playing 25 minutes a night. Um, I think once everyone's back, um, he will. So, um, yeah, but, um, but curious to hear your thoughts on that, Larry. Uh, do you agree with Schwinn on the end of the game Chicago stuff? I was at that game 100%, and I, I, I actually tweeted with Schwinn yeah. about it, noting that he had, tweeted it in real time, not like afterwards, which is easy to do to, you know, sort of go back into things and say after the fact, what should have been. But the, the one thing I'd say is tell me the, the situation this year where IQ got switched onto someone bigger and you felt like, oh my God, he's mismatched. He, he, he guards bigger very well. And I, I think he did as good a job on DeRozan as Grimes did anyway. And for whatever reason, those guys both want to dribble before they shoot. And if a guy's going to put the ball on the deck, um, quickly is as good a defender as there is in the league, I think, when guys are going to try to, you know, catch and shoot over the top of them. Maybe he's not going to bother, you know, Kevin Durant or something like that. But if a guy wants to, you know, penetrate or make a dribble move, quickly is a great defender. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm as much on the quickly train as Schwinn is for sure. I, I and like I said, I think it should be a three-guard rotation. And, you know, they need someone bigger to play the deuce minutes. That, that's I, – I feel like, yes, you want someone who's a defender, someone who does what deuce does, but I think he's got to be bigger and, and you know, um, and give you something where you can't be playing four on five on offense. Yeah, and I just want to mention this. Like, I know that Quickly and Brunson have played a bunch of minutes together. I don't think that's been the case recently. Uh, if you go to December 15th, okay, they've played one, two, three, four, five, six, six games where both of those guys have been available. Um, they have played a total of 37 minutes together. And a lot of that was forced because quickly started the Raptors game. So if you took out that Raptors game, that would be way less. I think Tibbs was playing them a lot together earlier in the season. And I, and I, I think we all talked about it. We, we talked about it. We gave him credit for that. But, like, I hated some of the stuff. He was he was leaning back into, like, very annoying Tibbsy habits at the end of the win streak. By the end of the win streak, he was doing a lot of annoying Tibbsy stuff. And that's why that Chicago game pissed me off so much because it was very much annoying Tibbsy stuff. Like, you look at the minutes in that game, and they were just, like, so heavy on the starters. Uh, again, quickly only played 21 minutes which was stupid because he was really rolling in that game. And then on top of that, like you had the end game decision-making, like the, the way, look, me and Larry have argued this. And I think Larry misinterpreted what I said as a criticism of Randall, but like, it's not a criticism of Randall to me at this point. It's a criticism of Tibbs because Tibbs at the end of games 
he's just like, okay, I trust player X. So I'm just there. They, they just get the ball. That's it. Like they get the ball. It's a standstill, stagnant, ISO, post up, whatever the fuck it is. And it's time for them to cook, right? Like that's all it is. And he did that at the end of that Chicago game. RJ actually, you know, he look, he, it's, it's so infuriating. We lost that game because that should be like a game that I go back and watch on YouTube the highlights of 75 times because that was mag- like RJ was awesome. He was, I know that he scored 46 against Miami last year. I thought this performance was just way better for a variety of reasons. He was great in that game. Um, and he, he did enough to win the game, but like, I, it doesn't mean that the process of choosing to, to use him in the way that we did in the fourth quarter was good. And I didn't think it was good. And I thought, you know, uh, towards the end of this, that winning streak and then obviously into the losing streak, Tibbs has leaned back into like, you see this and like to bring it back to the quickly Brunson thing. Lean back, fat teams lean back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like that, like he, he has gone back to some of the very annoying things that he's been doing with quickly and with a lot of these bench guys where it's like, look, I, I understand Deuce is struggling. I understand like you have Obi is out. So you're kind of having to find shit to make stick at the, at the backup four minutes. I don't like, I don't know what to take away from a version of the team when you're just like, well, we're, I'm, I'm going to play quickly a point guard only with like only with Sims and Hartenstein at the four and five. And then also like, he, like, I'm sorry. Like you watch how, quickly plays point guard right now when Brunson and RJ are out versus like when Brunson and RJ are available and Tib staggers RJ in with that backup unit. Like it, it's not like he's, he takes a very, very back back, like uh you know, supporting role to RJ in those minutes. And like, I don't think that's just him being timid. I think that's very obviously a coaching decision. That is, that is how Tibbs is choosing to deploy and and use that lineup together, um, and like I think that's a mistake because again I think quickly is just capable of so much more. And even despite his scoring inefficiencies and whatever, like he's a he's a flat out better passer than RJ is. He's probably the best drive and kick player we have on the team, um, and he opens up opportunities that just aren't there otherwise. Um, and like I, I just think. I think Tibbs, I hope that this stretch without RJ and Brunson actually opens his eyes to the fact that, like, like, look, quickly, what he did at the end of last season was not a fluke. Uh, and he's capable of just being able to do more than maybe you're even putting on his plate. And we, we should want him to do more because, you know what, it doesn't just benefit him, you know, in terms of, like, as a player, his progression and all that kind of, but it also it will benefit these other guys, like the load that Randall Brunson and RJ were carrying to me was like out of whack. It it was not a, it was not a sustainable thing uh, over the long haul. And it's probably not the way you're going to maximize the potential of this current roster. So uh, I I hope he continues to get those opportunities and and higher usage, even when these guys are back. And I do think Brunson's going to be back today. Uh, At least that's what my, uh, that's what my interpretation of the Knicks being favored is telling me. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you touched on an interesting point, and I don't know that just quickly getting more opportunities is going to help this. Um, I think what I see in a lot of games is when a player, it could be Randall, it could be RJ, it could be 
Brunson. Um, for a moment, it was Grimes when he had that big twenty-seven point game. They or the whatever thirty, I think at thirty-three. Yeah. When he had a thirty-three point game in the fourth, you saw they kept force feeding him, you know, off that not pistol, but like the the side screen, right? Yep. yep. And like, it, and that that was almost like it seemed like you're hot. We're feeding the hot hand, but look at how he's getting his points. That's the most extreme thing. But you see it with, I mean, we have complained a lot about Randall more last year than this year. But in the fourth quarter, right, Tibbs just seems to say, you're having a good night. Let's have you isolate. And that ignores, like, the fact that Randall gets 35-40, but it's, it's a lot of it is getting the ball in motion. When he does post up, it's usually below the free throw line, right, where he's really unguardable there as opposed to if he has to start his post up at 20 feet. Um, you know, there's very few people that are successful like that consistently except, you know, if you're Kawhi Leonard or something. Um, and then the same thing with RJ, right? RJ is, I mean, it, that applies, and it's like, I, I think Randall is better at making chicken salad out of chicken shit than RJ. But especially like when they when they say RJ do something, which they often do with the bench, that's just not something he's very good at. The only player I think that can handle that right now, really efficiently, is Brunson. Um, which is why I mean it helps. Like that that was less problematic as the fourth quarter strategy when we had Brunson, right? Um, can, I, can I just I just want to interrupt real quick. I want to throw this out there, and this is again I want to be very clear. This is not a knock really on Jalen Brunson. Um, but I do find this interesting. Uh, so Julius Randle in 255 minutes this year where he plays with quickly and Brunson is off the floor. He has a 32.1 usage, which is probably too high, but that's also skewed by the last few games. So 32.1 usage. His true shooting percentage in those minutes is 64.8. He is an EFG of 61.2. Now, if you look at his minutes, obviously, with Brunson, when quickly is off the floor, um, it's, it's look, it's not bad by any stretch of imagination. Um, and again, 255 minutes in that previous line when I, I stated, like, there's, it's possible that there's just a lot of some small sample size stuff going on, but I find this interesting. So in 687 minutes, he's played with Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel quickly off the floor. He's at a 24, 26.6 usage. Uh, but his true shooting percentage is just 56.4 and he has an EFG of 51.5. I do think the way like you watch quickly run pick and rolls and what he does when he gets in the paint, he pairs really well with, Julius as a pop option, he finds him on the perimeter a lot for good catch and shoot looks. He actually he's he started doing this this one very recently that I love. Uh, but like when he gets a hot potato with like six seven seconds left, what he'll do is he'll call for a screen and pretend like he's about to use it. And what you'll see is Randall's man cheats off of him a step to like because he's got to tag down the roller and as he's like quickly will pretend like he's about to use a screen and then he'll just swing it to Julius really quick for like probably the best shot you can get in that situation. Uh, and Julius has been cashing those recently too. So like he deserves more credit than quickly does for that stuff. But like, I just think like there, there is something to like Randall plays really well off of quickly when quickly is effectively the one running the offense. Um, and that, that, that is encouraging. Uh, and like again, that's a reason why I hope that when even when Brunson comes back and when RJ comes back, like when he's on when he's on the floor with those guys, I think 
I, I hope at least it quickly still empowered more to, to, to do more, to create more, to, to be more of a on-ball decision maker offensively, uh, even in those minutes. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I did want to bring that up. Yeah, and that's actually would be kind of um, counter to what I, what I think. So my, my larger point is that when we're getting offense with motion um, and one guy is really hot, keep feeding him the ball in those situations. Now, in the fourth, that can go away. But um, but then you don't necessarily assume that, you know, if Grimes has a hot hand or, or RJ or, or Randall, that they're necessarily the best ISO option, right? Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is um, that I'm actually a little bit surprised. So the two things that I've been watching for with Quickly more than shot selection, the, the thing I hate most that Quickly does is when he gets the paint, he doesn't beat his guy, and he picks up his dribble. Um, that's very infuriating because that's what actually kills possessions. Not when he, when people say, oh, he's over dribbling. No, he's usually, like when he over dribbles or what people call that, it's usually he gets a switch on a big and he decides he's going to attack it. So he pulls it out. Could he be a little bit quicker about it? You know, those kind of things. Sure. But those usually don't kill possessions. In fact, often he's able to beat the big for a switch. And when he does it, it's usually because it's like, yeah, Nick Claxton isn't really that dude to do that to. But if it's like Jakob Pertle or something, he's, it usually works out. Um, so the thing that really hurts is when he picks up his dribble because when that happens, he has to just like throw like a, a pass out to like the logo almost to RJ or Randall or someone. And then like there's seven seconds left on the shot clock. Um, that's one thing. And then the other thing that I do get a little bit annoyed is when he does run pick and rolls with Randall and it just turns into a very telegraphed post up. I, I wish, and that feels like it happens more with him than Brunson. So it's interesting for, to me that you note that, um, you know, in reality, you know, he actually, uh, they are pretty efficient together. And maybe maybe I'm underrating the value of those post-ups. I don't know. I would so love to see a spin off of that where they, where, because they do it so much now that teams, you know, effectively are prepared for what's happening there. To, you know, you can watch the defense adjust. They know Julius is about to get the ball in a mismatch and they, and they have a scheme for what's going to happen there. It's not like they're like, "Oh my God, what's happening?" Julius has a mismatch. Um, but there would be it would be so great if there was some wrinkle off of that that be, where you could take advantage of the fact that the other team is so playoff the so, playoff that self you can self scout there, right? Yeah. Um, and and I'll add, sorry, I'll let you finish, Larry. But the only thing I'll add is like on ter- what I wanted to say is like what I've been watching for is quickly picking up his dribble. That has really died a lot. Uh, I don't think I've seen too many instances of that at the last few. He's days. doing the Nash a lot, right? That's yeah. what. That's he like what we're alive and just yeah. being patient. Yeah. Over the last, and I've, I've seen like, so I I recently discovered that like Nick's Reddit has very very different viewpoints from Nick's Twitter on a lot of things. Um, but like, so on Nick's Reddit, like quickly is uh, not a good point guard, and he over dribbles and and like. Look, does he have possessions where he over dribbles? Of course, yeah, he does. You know what? Like, guess what? So does um, if you want to, if you and so does so does fucking Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson has like five possessions a game. I promise you. And again, I don't. I'm not even you really criticizing him, but he has like five possessions a game where he just dribble, 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 no pass, takes his own shot. Um, and like, guess what? Like, the thing with quickly is. <clears throat> He's a developing player. You want to develop players? Guess what? You're going to have to watch them do stupid fucking bullshit sometimes. And then you're, the goal or the, the hope is that after they do the stupid fucking bullshit enough times, they learn from it and get that out of their game. 
And like that's that's what developing players is. Uh, so I think, and and guess what? And the other thing is this: maybe he wouldn't be doing some of that stuff if you had just given him the minutes he should have been getting the last two seasons. He should have been playing way more than Alfred Payne. He should have been starting at point guard over Alec Burks. Like these are just asinine decisions that you allowed the head coach to make. So it's an organizational decision to me at that point. Um, and look, they haven't they haven't irre- irretrievably fucked up Quickly's progression or development or anything. But like, I do think he would be further along as a point guard if they had given him those reps earlier. So when he's fucking up on some of these point guard reps, point guard situations, getting guys involved in shit. Like, I'm fine with that because one, again, as we've talked about, like, look, it's not, at some point, it's not a coincidence that, like, the team consistently magically performs well when he's on the floor over the course of three years. So, like, even amid his bullshit stretches offensively and bad decision making at times, and I'm always going to be okay with that because the guy finds a way to help you win his minutes and ultimately win basketball games. So I think fans need to maybe like, like just relax. Like, and I I feel this way about Grimes. I feel this way about quickly. I feel this way about Obi when he's healthy. And we will talk about Obi, uh, Larry's favorite player. Uh, But like, but like you have to let these guys fail and like struggle and go through shit. And that's why like, like I was critical of Tibbs for leaving or putting Grimes back in over quickly in that Chicago game, but uh, and I look, this was not his thinking. So the people that want to like pretend that should shut up. But like, there is value in in Grimes having that 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 experience and failing. Like, there is a value to that in his long term progression as a player. You hope he learns from those 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 moments, those minutes. And you know, he's talked about this after games. Like, like he talked about after the Dallas game, where he's just like, dude, Luca's. I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with this guy. But like you, so it's okay to, for these guys to to have minutes and fail because that's the only way you grow as a player. And like RJ's had those opportunities, and I'm happy he's had those opportunities over his time in New York. But like, we need to give these other young guys that same leeway, that opportunity, um, even while we're trying to win basketball games. Uh, and in, like in the case of Quickly and Grimes, both those guys help you win a lot of basketball games. So like the odds are, if you give them the opportunities, they'll find ways to help you win and actually and come through it, come through it as better players. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many things yet to unfold. Can the Knicks get home court advantage? Who knows? Maybe. Well, I'm looking to get into the action. I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 of free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 on free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. One thing I'd point out about when quickly over dribbles, how many of those turn into turnovers? 
almost none. And they still end up, even in those possessions, they get a reasonable shot. And the Knicks, often their best offense, is a decent shot that stays around the rim that Robinson can, you know, either put back or turn into another possession. You know, so often, you know, if Randall has, uh, you know, I mean, his biggest flaw clearly is in those same situations, they turn into live ball turnovers. And that's why I think so many Nick fans end up with these negative perceptions of him is a live ball turnover turns into a basket. Quickly doesn't do that. And uh, he, even in those possessions, I would go back and look at the shots you end up with. They get to the rim. And if, if you don't turn the ball over in the NBA, you're going to win more games than you lose. And if this team in particular, if you put the ball on the rim and it's a short rebound, it's a 50-50 ball at that point, you know, with the way they're rebounding, particularly on the offensive class. Julius's offensive rebounding has been much, much better this year too. And he's taken advantage of how much attention Mitch gets. You know, uh, you know, you watch, I watch how teams box out against Mitch. They've got him like bracketed sometimes by three guys. It's crazy how, how much. And, and Randall is able often to swoop in there. He's had more, you know, put back layups and dunks, I think, so far this season than he might have had in the last two years. I mean, I just like that he's like, like Randall at his core. I mean, you see this in a lot of ways that aren't necessarily the best, but he's a bully. Like, he is a bully. But I'm happy to see him leaning into that, like, very much on the offensive glass. Uh, defensive rebounding with him is always an adventure. Um, but, like, the offensive glass, he's been, you're right, like, he's been a force this year. And not just, you know, getting the rebounds and finishing, but, like, there's also a lot of times he, he draws fouls. And, like, he's he's getting the line a lot and not even just getting the line, but, like, also you, you help your team get into the penalty. Like, he, he's been he's been definitely a force. And you're right, like, Mitch, like, I think it was it was that, that second, so that third time we played Chicago, if you go back and you listen to what Billy Donovan said after the first and second games in Chicago, he couldn't shut up about like how much of a problem Mitch was for them in the offensive glass. And then you go look at the third game, the final one they played in New York, like they made it it was very obvious that it was a point of emphasis that like two, three guys even, not just Vooch, but like another guy, another maybe two guys, come over as soon as a shot goes up and get a body on Mitch. Um, San Antonio and, had that too. Three yeah. guys. I, I was watching because I was like, Mitch is doing nothing. And you watch and then you say like, well, Pirtle's in front of him and and you got a guard to his left and a, and a guard above him. It was like, he wasn't even jumping some of the time because it was just like, where, like, what could I possibly do here? No, I, I agree. Um, I also think that with Randall, there's a lot less out of control play. So you said he's bullying, but there's been a lot. I mean, I I don't have the data on this, but I would imagine he's called for way fewer offensive fouls this year. Million less. Um, <laughs> I can pull it up right now. Um, because like I think that it's it's very controlled bullying, right? He gets you. He's getting. He's doing his work to get lower in the post up, as I mentioned before. Um, and he's not just swinging his elbows. He's not using that spin move. And he's also not trying too much of the, you know, the between the legs stuff, whatever. Uh, it's just, it's normal fundamental post-up. And it's in the, the, the thing with the post-up is even if you face a stronger player, if you're quick enough, if they have to, or if you face a player who's able to wall up, 
you know, if you if you know how to spin or if you know how to, to beat, you can say you can stop, you can put all your strength into stopping me, but then you have no leverage in order to to defend me going around you, right? Um, or if you or and vice versa, right? So he's done. He's just been a much more controlled and methodical so, player. Yeah, uh, just it's actually this is actually pretty funny um, using basketball reference, but um, he's actually last year just for point of comparison, uh, seventy two games played. 2,554 minutes. Uh, he actually had only 37 offensive fouls last year. This year, in 1,288 minutes, 37 games played, he's got 25 offensive fouls. But, yeah, yeah, but, but here's here's the big, yeah, this, this is the big difference, though. Last year, again, 2,554 minutes played, he had 111 turnovers via a bad pass, and he had 74 Lost ball turnovers, which I think means dribbled out of bounds or passed out of bounds or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, this year, in 1,288 minutes, he only has 27 turnovers by a bad pass and 32 uh, lost ball. So, like, like I, I think anecdotally, what you're ultimately, you're right. Like, he's just, there are way less negative plays with him when he's at, when he has the ball than there were last year or even the year before. Uh, when he was also, I mean, he was all NBA. Obviously, it was great that year. The, the biggest thing about that all NBA season, I think, was how many of those fadeaway, like one footed, 17 footers he made. And then last year, he took them again and he missed them like at an incredible rate. This year, he's taking them, but they're from eight feet, 10 feet, 12 feet, and he's making them at a really high rate again because he's taking them from so much closer. And you feel like they're going in every time he takes them versus last year where you took them and you were already pulling your hair when he let it go. Yeah. And, and I mean, the shot distribution change that, that is people are like, well, is 2020, 21 Randall back. It, it, I mean, it is freakish how close the numbers are. Um, he's actually averaging according to basketball reference, 24.1 points this year, which is dead on. He also averaged 24.1 points in 2020, 21. Um, but he's actually more efficient this year. Um, 59% true shooting, which is by far higher than any point in New York. The last time he was that efficient was his last year in New Orleans. Um, and, you know, if you look at just the distribution, right, he's taking a quarter of his shots within three feet of the hoop, uh, which is not as high as it was in New Orleans or even his first year in New York. Um, but it's higher than 2020, 20, 21. Um, and he's taking 43% of his shots from three. Which he's only shooting thirty five percent, but that's still a thirty five percent shot from three is still better than you know um, a mid range shot unless you're hitting it at a very high level. And when he does shoot the mid range, he's shooting. You mentioned he's taking those from eight feet. He's shooting fifty two percent from from three to ten feet. You know that's you know that, that's pretty damn good. That's like Jalen Brunson numbers, I believe. Um, and forty six percent from ten to sixteen, uh, and he's he's not shooting well from sixteen to three point um, to, to three, but. That's that's five percent of his shots between sixteen and three point, like you know the Kevin Durant range. And what was um, that in twenty twenty one? In twenty twenty, in his good year, it was seventeen um, percent. Right, right. So and the numbers in the range, what? And he was making them. Yeah, he yeah. made those at forty one percent. Right, so he was shooting them better. But like he's, but that that's still not it. Like I would still a take a shot. thirty. Yeah, it's still not a great shot. And um, now he's taking of uh, his numbers. His numbers in terms of frequency are down across the mid range. But the efficiency is up except that range, and that's only 5%. But he's shooting way better between 
three and 10 and 10 of 16 feet. And I think that is sustainable because those are not outlier numbers. It's just way better shots. Uh, and then the the last thing I'll mention is I believe more of his shots are assisted this year. Yeah, um, they are. So he has forty two point six percent of his two pointers are assisted, and eighty three point five percent of his threes are assisted. If you look at the last two years, uh, in 2020, 2021, 34.2% of his twos and 79.4% of his threes were assisted. Last year, 36.2% of his twos and 80% of his threes were assisted. So, um, And also, I'll add the yeah. last thing I'll add is he's taking 17% of his threes from the corner. Uh, and he's only shooting 31% of those, even though he's career at 36. So we can expect his maybe his three-point percentage to go up even a little bit. So, And he's taking more threes yeah. than he ever has. And 35% on 10 three-pointers a game is, you know, that's like 50% from two. So that's going to make him way more efficient. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think, and this is probably the, this is what actually really is frustrating for me. Like, I've been, I've been really, really critical of Tibbs. And I stand by it because, like, like you mentioned this earlier in the pod, and I think this bears repeating. The Knicks are a top 10 offense, and they are a top 10 defense. They're one game over 500. Like, at some point... Do you have if, their expected wins at all? Can yeah, I can. I, I think they're, they're two behind the pace. Okay. Sure. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. But like, it was um, just so bad at the beginning of the year, too. Yeah. Though, that, that some, of, some of that is, is hard, you know, to factor in how bad they were, really. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just and RJ RJ going from being maybe the worst player for winning in those first 10 12 games <laughs> to now being I think a major contributor to everything positive that's happening here and his defense has gotten better too. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah way better. His way defense better. was so bad in those early games I was just like what is happening? Yeah. He he was not moving. He just was in molasses. He looked, he looked hurt. To yeah, me. I mean, yeah, he had that yeah. Rock on his thigh. Yep. He looked, you know, and he looked so slow. I was just like, he's twenty three. What's going on? Yeah, no, it was definitely concerning. Um, the Knicks' expected win loss right now is twenty one and sixteen. They're nineteen and eighteen, so they're two behind the pace. Um, yeah, I just think uh, I'll like figure which two games those are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but but like. I just think, you know, there's always, like, when when last year, right, well, we couldn't judge Tibbs because he didn't have a true point guard and blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. They got him a true point guard, and then people shifted it to, well, he doesn't have a superstar. The front office let him down because they didn't get Donovan Mitchell. And it's like, like at what point, like, look at the output. Like, yeah, have, is the front office perfect? Absolutely not. No shot. Like, look at some of the depth guys they're giving minutes again now how they performed, like, obviously they fucked up, you know? Like, Rose is giving them nothing. Fournier has rightfully been dropped from the rotation. The whole Cam Reddish thing is its own bizarre subplot. Like, they have made, no, no doubt about it, they have made, they have fucked up on several occasions. Hartenstein, we'll, we, we have to talk about him. I am so fucking over this guy. Um, but, like, like in, despite that, they have assembled a team that, in spite of not having a superstar, clearly has the ability to be a very good offense and a very good defense. So, like, we have to... I think 
the defense of Tibbs and the conversation around Tibbs needs to change because this team is talented. This team is good. This team is young. And, like, he should be expected. It should be expected, in my opinion. I'm just going to throw it. I think they absolutely should make the playoffs. And if we're being very critical, I would say that he should be expected to avoid the play-in altogether and get the sixth seed. Um, I, I think a this team is... Months, yeah. they're going to get there. Yep. And, like, look, I, I think... I'm not going to I'm, I'm not gonna kill him for, like... You know, look, I, I hated the minutes in the Dallas game, but I can understand... I, I Enough in the last two games that I'm not sure that even if he had bought those guys a few more minutes, I would have turned the game, right? And, be, and they fucked up that game in ways that are not related to Tibbs. So... I'm not going to kill him for like how he's used the bench and all that stuff uh, in the absence of Brunson and RJ. But when Brunson and RJ are back, no excuses. Like this team is again, it's really good. They've got three capable shot creators, maybe not the best shot creators in the league, but three capable ones. They've got a really good bench guard in quickly. They've got a really promising young three and D wing. Who's probably more than just a three and D guy in Grimes. Uh, Mitch is one of you know, you talked about this just earlier, but like might be the best offensive rebounder in the league, but at the very minimum, one of the top three, and he's playing at a very high level defensively. I know he, he I don't know what was going the Spurs game. He just didn't have anything like, and I, like the defensively, he just, he, he was a bad, he had a bad game, but like over the course of this season, he's been really fucking good defensively. Um, like they've got a lot of pieces here. I think Sims is a very capable and interesting, you know, nice change of pace center off the bench. Uh, and look, when Obi comes back, we'll see. But like, I think Obi is capable of doing more than what the Knicks have had him doing. But like, there's talent on this team, and there's talent to win a lot of basketball games, and they should win a lot of basketball games. Uh, and if they don't, I do think that is an indictment of the coach. Um, and and I guess ultimately, in some way, that is an indictment of the front office too. If they stick with a coach who might, or if he if he continue if he underperforms moving forward. So, um, I, I'm, I'm excited for us to get healthy, but I'm also interested, very interested to see if Tibbs can get the results that I think he should be getting. Tibbs is the girl with the curl, right? When he's good, he's very, very good. And when he's bad, he's hard. I, what I, the two things that fascinate him, uh, me about him is like, he made that decision on like eight minutes, Obi and Randall can't play together. But now how long have we watched Hartenstein and Sims <laughs> together? And there's no reevaluation of maybe uh, maybe Cam maybe could play a few of these minutes and it might be more valuable to try Sims and Cam instead of Hartenstein and Cam. Or, I don't know, a million other permutations. Throw Svi out there. Throw Svi out there. There are a lot of choices. <laughs> there are a lot of choices. There are a lot of NBA players on that that, that are sitting on the bench. Um, and the other thing that's fascinating to me about Tibbs that I don't think, you know, I sat in the Chicago game, got some really amazing seats and sat down very low and was able to see Donovan. Billy Donovan called maybe five plays that game. Oh, God. Tibbs calls a play every set. He calls the offense every set. So when we want to criticize Julius for demanding the ball, he's doing – He's they're running the play. Everyone knows what's happening. It's not because Julius, even though he is so demonstrative, I think it draws a lot of attention to it. 
and he could be a little more like you know as we were saying hide it a little bit more <laughs> rather than like just kind of mosey on down i got caruso that's the matchup we want is it i don't know um but, <laughs> um but yeah those two things about tibbs fascinate me the way he says he, he can make a snap decision right these guys are out of the lineup for good but how did they get out of the lineup you know cam had some really good games early on i thought and really like I don't understand why some coaches can do things like the way the sumo gets used. One game he plays eight minutes, the next game he plays 25. You know, then maybe he doesn't play for three games. Uh, I don't remember who I was reading that about, but there's a bunch of players on teams who get used actually situationally. Tyron Lue does it all the time. Yeah, I don't understand how you call it situational, but then in the situations where, like, we're going to play the Bucks in a couple of days, like, the Knicks don't really have in their starting lineup, unless you're going to put Julius on them, someone who's, who can guard Giannis. That would be a game to use a situational player. You know, this is the situation we have them for. Um, but I don't, I don't, I just don't get that. About I, I, and I, I mean, do you, do not buy, because I know Schwinn doesn't, do you not buy the idea that the cam benching is, is more front office related or so there's some agreement that kind of, Supersedes. I don't it. see how any agent could say, "Don't play my guy." That's gonna that's gonna help us get a move. Well, I, I, I understand that the logic of it. But do you think Rose is maybe it? dictated instead, or, or I, I I think I think we don't want to get him hurt. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it seems so far from the trade deadline to have made that decision when he, when Leon Rose's job rides on you know making the playoffs this year. If the Knicks somehow were to fall out of the play in. I don't see how he survives, you know, even though I think they've done a great job as a Nick fan. I've been super happy with the way this team has been run. I don't even mind tips because again, the girl with the curl thing, these players have gotten better under him. We've never seen players we've drafted get better, you know, nowhere, even back to the Riley days. I mean, I would argue I mean, the, the, the last guy was like Gallinari. Yeah, like Gallinari I mean, and Wilson Shane. Did he get better? Respect yeah, Milikina. better when he left. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the thing that, you know, uh, you know, we've watched guys go backwards where they have, you know, uh, Landry Fields or whatever. Oh, comes in, has an amazing rookie year, and then no progression. And, and, and Tibbs, every player, including Randall even, has gotten better playing underneath him. And there is a culture. There is supposedly a theory of being a defensive team even though you don't see it every night. But, you know, and the guys we've drafted late, Grimes and Quickly, I mean, you know, yes, Quickly was the home run, but so was Grimes. Yeah, and Grimes was a home run too. And 59 for Sims, I mean, and the contract he's on, that's fantastic, you know, front office work. Their cap situation is good. We have a shitload of first-round picks. I mean, I just don't know how you could really fault these guys for the fact that a superstar hasn't wanted to come yet. You yeah, know, and and, and I think and I think to your point, like I I think they made the right decision not to trade for Donovan Mitchell. Like I'm not I like, yeah, and like and and just people will keep killing them for that. But like I, it really doesn't matter to me what even happens from this point forward. Like I don't think it was the right move to to especially at the price that we were talking about. Like you're talking about losing RJ, losing quickly, losing three or four first round picks of your own. Like that's not a good trade. And, and like it actually, yeah, it's a terrible trade. And I think it also undercuts your ability to get 
to to ultimately make a move to become a contender at some point. So like the Knicks now know more, way more about their own young players than they knew last year. Even uh, I think those guys have developed nicely. RJ is. I I really hope that he doesn't need like he's one of these guys, right? When he gets hurt, he needs like fifteen games to like get going again. I really hope it doesn't take that because I thought he was getting into like a very nice he's rhythm. A finger, before. not a leg. I think yeah. he'll be fine coming back. Yeah, yeah. He's, I hope so. Been, yeah, you know. But the the other thing that I think is is uh, is crazy about about Tibbs is just that. I don't understand. Like he's like he's been so flexible this year with so many other things. They've changed the offense. They've re, they've redone a lot of things. You know the rotation, pulling guys at five minutes. But why does it have to be the exact same every game? Oh, you know why? I mean, I understand. I think that part of the reason he hasn't played Cam and Fournier is that they have a plan going into the game, and these injuries threw off that plan. You know. And that they stuck to the, the plan because that's what they planned to do. But that's crazy. That's insanity. And 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 his uh, like I don't teams watch what we do. It's not like other teams don't come in. Okay, at five minutes we know this is what's going to happen. These guys are coming. Like why would you give away that advantage? I don't understand it. It's it's actually like there are games you can go back and watch this year where you can tell the opposing coach shifts his rotations and substitutions to game against Tibbs. Like he, cause they know what Tibbs is going to do. So like, like if you go back and watch the first Cleveland game, when we lost in Cleveland, you like, he pulled Mitchell earlier in the third quarter than he ever does. And then he brought him back in when our bench came in to game those minutes. Like, like as soon as like, I think it was like when Brunson went out and we brought Fournier and Fournier was still on the floor. This happens and, over and over. Then. Yeah. Like he guys he know when to get their starters out and, and get them back into play against our bench. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a definitely a thing that has happened, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. Tibbs is so weird to me. I, I did a thread last week or this week. I don't even know what the hell some very recently. So on my, it's my pin tweet right now. Um, on just like why I personally, if I was running the team, I would fire him today. Uh, I would have fired him last year, but I would have fired him today and move on. Um, but like, you're right that I, 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 I just to be clear though, like I'm not going to spend much time demanding Tibbs be fired anymore because it's just a pointless discussion. Like, I, I don't have the energy for it, and like I have made my feelings known, and they are what they are. But like, like he's not. I don't think he's like the worst coach in the NBA, but I do think that because of his rigidity, the main frustration is there are just lineups and rotations and different, like there's no other coach in the NBA that would one have not have played Obi and Randall so little together over their first two and a half years. And then additionally would have never deployed Randall at the five more often. Like, I don't think I have no problem with Randall not playing the five. Like I think it's fine that the majority of his minutes come at the four, but I also think like he there's like a potential like you're talking about situational, right? There's a situational look there with Randall at the five that is valuable and like maybe especially when other teams are being small. Why would you continue to play at a disadvantage? Yeah, it's like like there are times where your size can capitalize on another team's lack of on the floor. But there are also times where that isn't working, and I just would like—I wish that he was more willing to like 
pull the plug when that stuff... Like, I thought the Spurs game was a perfect example of, like, okay, Mitch doesn't have it. And I know we're shorthanded, so it's not like he has a lot of options. But, like, that would have been a game for me where it's like, okay, let's let's see. Let's just see what happens if we downsize for a little bit. You know, let's see what happens when the when the let's, floor is spread more. Maybe let's see what happens if Jakob Pertl has to guard on the perimeter. Yeah. Against right. someone like Randall. I mean, is that going to be a good matchup? I mean, maybe we could actually, instead of reacting to the other team, which is what Tibbs seems to do all the time, he has his preconceived notions of who he wants to be in at the same time as the other team's players. But maybe we could force them to react to us. And that's what that's the, my, my biggest knock on Tibbs is – that he gives away the element of surprise every single minute of every single game. Everybody knows what we're going to do. I mean, you know, I fuck George's Yang or whatever his name is. <laughs> and his bullshit, that crap. And, uh, you know, no one no one ever let you shoot a three with James Harden and Joel Embiid on the floor. Yeah, I'm sure that never happened to you, buddy. Um but the but but the thing about it is is that it was they it wasn't like Philly didn't know what we were going to do. So if they were if he is making threes, and again let's find the other quarter this year where he's made four threes. I'd like to know. Um, but again, you're giving away too much. Why why let other teams know what we're going to do for a little while there in, in the beginning of the uh, win streak? They they varied things by switching more putting Randall onto smaller players, and then slowly it just moved back to the the same uh, stuff we've seen over and over and over again. And I just wish he'd uh, be more creative. I, I really like the, um, what he's done with the team as far as, you know, uh, the players who have developed. I, I know we could have given guys more minutes, but I've been a big proponent of the fact that guys don't only get better playing in games. And these guys have gotten better. There's just no two ways about that. So we're um, we're now um, almost halfway through the season. Picture 19 and 18. Um, I think there's been a lot of I've seen a lot of mock trades go around. Uh, most of them are very much a no. Um, there, I'm curious. Are, is there anyone you target? I got, or? My, I got my list right here. I made it before we I came on. <laughs> came prepared. Uh, yes. Uh, these are the guys who I would consider and I think might be available. So, like, I'm, I'm ignoring the fact that, of course, I'd like John Moran, you know, or, you know, some superstar. But Jared Vanderbilt, Jalen McDaniel from Charlotte, you're, you're going to see a consistency to the, the player I'm looking for. K.J. Yeah. Martin from Houston, Javante Green or Caruso from Chicago, Chris Duarte from uh, Indiana, and the two guys who I think are wild cards that I'm not sure about, but would be very interesting, would be Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Kuzma. Uh, well, I think that that's a lot. Um, I think you, you brought up a few of these, so let's let's talk about Vanderbilt a little bit. Um, and I can understand. I assume you know, looks like defensive versatility is pretty important. Is that your main reason for targeting him, or you know, what? Uh, you know, let's start with Vanderbilt. What do you like about him? The, the thing, the things I really like about Vanderbilt is he is a backup four, not a guy who should be a starter on another team. Um, he also, you know, you could play him with Randall comfortably. Um, I think he rebounds the ball really well, fits the defensive mindset of this team, and I think he can guard threes. 
I think you could play him in, in a bunch of different ways that would be really interesting. And of course, you know, in all in my mindset, you know, Obi's got probably either I just don't see how you can keep the value of Obi Toppin and pay him to be a 15-minute backup. So if you're going to keep Julius Randle, and it's not that I hate Obi, it's just that I really like Julius. Um, I just don't see how you keep Obi Toppin on this team. You can't create 20 minutes for him, even. Um, and that's been consistent, that you're not going to play him at the five or Randle at the five and him at the four. It's just, unless you're going to get rid of the coach or you're going to get rid of Randle, I just feel like Jared Vanderbilt would offer a lot more to the way the Knicks currently play, a guy, you know, who, who does the things that you'd want from someone at the backup four. Uh, uh, would would so, that, I mean, could we get more back for Obi though? I mean, because Vanderbilt's a good player, but, um, you know. It's not an amazing contract, and you're dealing with Danny Ames. You're going to have he's, to. Is he, I think he's the same age as Obi. He might even be younger. He's younger. He's 23. Yeah. I, I, I love Vanderbilt. I when I used to actually write stuff, uh, he was a prospect that I highlighted uh, in in his draft. I really like him. Uh, he's actually turned into a different player than I thought, uh, which is probably a good thing. Like I thought there was a chance he had like some Lamar Odom to his game, but he seems like he's bought into being much more of like a role player four or five type, which is fine. Like he's very very good at it. Um, I Two think years, four and a half million a year. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's a great contract. Um, my my concern would be that again, this is like a tips thing. Like, I love the idea of Vanderbilt playing with Randall. I don't think Tibbs would do that, and that's like that's like half of the problem uh, in trade. And I think this is and this is like a really under. I, I think it's like a thing that people don't appreciate fully. And look, the front office is hamstringing themselves in this case, partially by sticking with Tibbs. But like, it's really hard to settle on trades with a coach that's like this rigid and has such a defined style of like what he wants in lineups, right? Like he wants to play two bigs. He wants gonna, to... I mean, Matt, Vanderbilt's going to give you rim protection, yep. at least some, and, he, and he's a great rebounder. So he's I think awesome those are the two. So I think those are the two things that the reason that Tibbs won't experiment with OB and Randall is because of Randall's shortcoming on the defensive glass. And, you know, Obi, Obi is fine if, if, if he's with somebody else who's going to rebound. Yeah. Um, but if, if Randall and Obi aren't going to rebound, then that's where Tibbs is just not going to – those are things he won't relent on. He's not going to have a lineup without a guy who's the favorite to get every rebound. Well, and I think that's actually a reason why he's gone away from Cam. Like, Cam, his not – like, basically – other than scoring well on drives to the rim, if you look at like everything else, you know, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, whatever, he's he a, a lot of deflections. He really he, he, he does a get a lot of, of deflections. He does get a lot of deflections. Um, but he's a lot of times. Let's just say that him and Randall together is very much a defensive adventure. Um, but could like, be great at times, could be, but it's going to be a lot of gimmies. Too. Yeah, there and there's just a lot of possessions where you're not sure who fucked up between them, but you know one of them did. Um, but like, like the rebounding stuff is for sure, like that, that 
I like that. I love that about Vanderbilt. Um, and I do think that like him and Randall would be good together. I, again, I just, I just don't know if Tibbs would see it that way, but if he did, like if you could, if I could know that Randall will be, or that, that Tibbs will be okay with that, then that's a, that's a move that would be interesting for me. And I look, I like Obi. I think the Knicks have totally misused him. I don't think yeah, and I think Tibbs is not the coach to figure out how to use what he gives you because, like, he is not like. Yes, he plays the same position as Randall, and yes, he's a scoring offensively. You know, like his value is on the offensive end, but he's so different from Julius in how he does those things, how he scores, how you know he creates flow in the offense. Um, and I love that about him. That's like one of my favorite elements of his game is that I don't think judging him as like judging his passing just by how many assists he gets is not correct because yeah, he's constantly moving the ball. He constantly just moves himself. Um, and, and the mix of actually like the way they've used him, they've robbed him of that. Like they, they, they park him in the corner and the only he makes one cut, right? It's just that baseline cut sometimes that he makes. But they've robbed him of what is one of his greatest strengths as a player. And so, like, um, I, I do think that ultimately, if they're committed to Randall, and to be fair, like, I, I've admitted this, like, I think you got to give them credit and people like you credit, uh, Larry, that, like, backed Julius to come good again. Um, they've won that bet, essentially. Like, and the level Randall is playing at, like, it's reasonable to be like, no, he's our guy for now and for the foreseeable future. Um, I, I'm probably a little bit more willing to still discuss trading him, but like, like I, can't, I'm not gonna. You can't kill them for feeling I, that. I want to be clear. I would, I would totally trade Julius. I'm just not trading him as a salary dump. I, yeah, you know, yeah. if you told me we get, you know, I mean, Julius is not perfect, um, you know, but he is, you know, 28 years old entering his prime years it's he's not old if he was 32 or 31 even or even 30 my position on him would be totally different than it is on a guy who just turned 28 yeah yeah so and, and i mean julius will always be 30 right he's been 30 for the last four yes. years <laughs> but like but like like so ultimately like there's no future this is this is what it boils down to there's no future and this is not a Tibbs thing. This is regardless of who the coach is. There's no future where it makes any sense to have Julius and Obi. Because Obi is at yeah, and, and Obi is he's what? He's twenty five, I think, or turning twenty five. Twenty five, yeah. Yeah. He's turning twenty five this year. Um uh, he's obviously got a year left on his rookie contract after this, and then you have to pay him actual money. Um like it, it's just not it doesn't make sense. So if if they want to keep if they love Obi and they just think that you know once he gets the opportunities and he's unleashed that he will actually be better than Julius, okay then then you have to trade Julius. But if you are keeping Julius, then you also need to trade Obi. That's just the reality of the situation. So like you I know think that's they, where we're headed. I, I yeah, do think that's where we're headed. Yeah, right. and I and and I think like this is I, I I brought this up at the time, but I I just never understood like. The conversation early in the season was like, well, they, maybe they have to trade quickly because, you know, uh, they they have all this cap stuff. And it's and, I, and I'm like, look, if you're going to trade one of these guys because of cap consideration things, like, how are, is it quickly and not Obi? Like, 
like that that just makes no sense to Obi's me. cap holds twenty two million yep. at the end of his contract. Quickly's is twelve. Yeah, I mean, and and know, quickly, and quickly is a more versatile. Like I think, like this is. I really don't want this to sound like I'm shitting on Obi, but like quickly is a much more versatile player, and he's a player who I think is a lot easier to envision as like. Like I don't, and we have there's... evidence there, right? We have two very high, highly paid players on the team that look to be here for a while. One of them plays Quickly's preferred position. The other one plays Obi's preferred position. It's more of an issue for for Obi, right? Yeah, because yeah. you can play Quickly with Brunson. So yeah, and and I think like just like at a very basic level, um, I think there's absolutely a world where Quickly is in a a rotation player of some kind, a real consistent rotation player playing major minutes. For a contender, like that's not team. yeah, he's yeah, championship level team. Like he's a fucking, yeah. he's really good, and I think Obi may might be able to get there, but he's one, he's further away from that, and I also think he has he like there are things he does that you need to build lineups to account for to to make up for things he's not good at. Like we talked about the defensive rebounding. That's the biggest one. Like he's not a good defensive rebounder for a four, and so you have to have lineups. Then he's improved, to, by the way. He has. You know, I, he has. I, I, I knocked him more than anyone about that, but I watch him and I watch him so that I could point it out. And he's been very good <laughs> on, the, on the defensive glass this year. I thought before. He yeah, got he, he he started off very bad, and I think I don't. I, I'm sure somebody had a conversation with him and was like, "Look." <clears throat> You got to get your ass in gear, otherwise you're not going to get minutes. Um, and he's yeah, he he got a lot better in terms of boxing out, but like he he's not going to be. It's not like he's a plus defensive rebounder. He's just not a problem right now. But right. like you want your That's four, yeah, it is. But and you ideally offensively, absolutely. But you want your four ideally to be a plus defensive rebounder. Um, so like ultimately, my point is just like Obi has really really interesting and I think very unique skills. But because of the like, it it requires more to to fit him in I, optimally, and with quickly, it's just like he can play next to Brunson, he can play in lieu of Brunson, he can play off ball, he can play on ball. Like he just gives you options and versatility that a guy like, and not just you know, this is just the reality of the position. Like you know, he, he just is a more versatile piece than somebody like an Obi is going to be. Um, because uh, if Obi could play the five, then it's a totally different conversation. But he he has not demonstrated to me that he's capable of that. And I I do like I think him and Randall should have played more together. But there's a difference between him playing with Randall and him being the five. And I don't think he's capable of lineups at this point in time anyway. Where you might get a lot offensively out of it, but you're going to give up a shit ton on the defensive end of the floor. But the, to me, the, the the bigger player he doesn't fit with, but even than Randall, is Mitch. Mm-hmm. And 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 it seems like you're committed to the Randall Mitch combination as much as anything. But it's criminal to me that Obi doesn't get to run pick and roll with someone. I mean, you know, it's just because that is his greatest strength. And he's how many has he run where he's the role man? Because that's where and that's why I, I thought a top in for Duarte deal might be something interesting because uh, he would get to run pick and roll with Halliburton and Turner would be spacing and 
that would be a fucking nightmare to guard. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I didn't want the audience to hear me chewing. Um, I was going to say, and they have a million shooters in Indiana, right? So right. beyond just Turner, you have a ton of space. Um, what? Yeah, so I guess the question with with Duarte is so. And two of the guys that you mentioned that I want to talk about next are Jalen McDaniels and Duarte. So I would imagine Jalen McDaniels you don't see as a full-time four. Um, but he might I, be able I, to... Both of those guys I see taking the deuce minutes and we oh. expanding the rotation. Uh, I mean, uh, expanding the, the time for that position to an 18 to 23-minute role and really shortening the rotation even maybe a little bit more. We're quickly so what would, would you are trading Cam for them or Obi? I think you're not going to get anything for Cam, unfortunately. And I think it's got to be. I mean, it's either picks and Cam or OB and less picks. That's that's the way so, it so, so I guess the question, because like, you mentioned the deuce. Well, not picks for McDaniel. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for Duarte, I think you, you probably, maybe it would be OB and a pick. And again, these picks, you know, you got to move some of them. You can't use them all. So somewhere along the line. If you're going to get better here, you got to get better players, and you got to use the picks and stop saying like, "Oh, these picks are you know we can't trade them because we got to trade for a superstar." Um, because I don't know that you have to have like so many people talk about this was the one I wanted to get to earlier about how you can't win in the NBA without a superstar, but you know what also you can't win in the NBA with is a superstar without a good team around them. You know, you can't, it's not one superstar. It's and how many of the second superstars are only superstars because they play with the first superstar? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I like the I like the idea of trying to play a five man team. You know, the fact that the Knicks starting lineup has been so good numbers wise this year is not an accident. It's because they put five guys who are playing well together on the floor, and I think you can win that way. Yeah, I mean, I I I think where I disagree. One, I'm not sure I would take um, Deuce out of the rotation because if we did make that tra trade, it, I would assume Cam is still out. So if you're trading Obi, you're still at. Um, <coughs> you're. I mean, you're either playing. You're either playing. Um, you're playing. My thought is to just to give you my full thought is that RJ then becomes the backup four. He plays with the bench units, and whoever this other wing is gets m minutes with the starters when RJ comes out, so that. RJ plays, let's say, 22, 23 minutes with the starters, and then the remaining minutes with the bench has the backup four, and he gets his minutes that way, and you get a Duarte or McDaniels in with the starting unit in some of the minutes that RJ is coming out of the starting unit for. I guess, I guess the issue, but then, so you're advocating an eight-man rotation, right, with one of yes. Caesar Hartstein, Hartstein out? So I think yes. that's where I disagree. I would stick with a nine-man rotation at least. Um, especially just seeing how much it's, I personally think fatigue has been a factor late, um, with the amount of mental errors and even the, I mean, there's no excuse for making free throws. I know a lot of people are going to say, you know, <laughs> fatigue, like, and that's not blaming it on Tibbs. Like, I don't know what the situation is with Cam, but this is what it is. And I think that ideally he'd want a nine man rotation. So I'd probably keep Deuce in there. I like Duarte and. McDaniels as players. I particularly like McDaniels because I I think he can play both the three and the four, and that's what we're really missing, especially with RJ out. That's what they wanted Cam to do. 
I have, I think both of us are a little bit more bullish on Cam potentially being able to fulfill that, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen for, under Tibbs. So I like that aspect of McDaniels. I do think Obi and a pick for Duarte is a little rich for my blood. Well, um, from yeah, a value I, I mean, perspective, but I, I didn't say a first round pick even, but I'm just saying, I, I mean, yeah. but again, you got to, you know, you can't keep getting to the point where you get to the altar and then you leave and say, I'm, I'm not going to do it because at some point you have to risk, um, you got to play a hand. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you got to risk losing a trade a little bit on the value in order to make your team better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't worry so much about what the other team's going to get if you get better. That's can't be like and, and my eight man rotation. <laughs> I hate both you. Randall's minutes go down. All, all the, everyone's minutes go down because the other three guys are now getting 20 plus minutes on, you know, the, the back, the backup, the two quickly's getting 25 and, you know, whoever this other person is, is getting 22 or 23. So if you do the math, it comes out that like, uh, all the starters would be getting more back to 34 minutes, except maybe Brunson plays 35 or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just looking at. They, they need wings. Be, I mean, that's that's the that's what it boils down to. They need yes. wings. They have two wings on the roster. Grimes is six four, six five, or whatever. He's not exactly yeah, cheating. A super, six. Yeah, cheating and, to get him to six four. Yeah, and, and I don't think like RJ is look. He's a definite three to me. I don't know. I really am always confused by the people that are like, he's a shooting guard. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, the guy's a fucking, built like a brick shit house. He's a three. Um, not, but it doesn't really matter. Like, he's a wing. He's the one genuine wing that the Knicks have and is in the rotation. Um, and I've always said, like, like Fournier is a wing, but he, it's not a wing. Like, he doesn't play like it. He doesn't have physicality. He doesn't really... Guard. Yeah, he's a two guard that shoots a lot. Um, but, like, they need wings for sure. And, uh, you know, Stacey's talked about this, but, like, this is why I hope they keep both the picks in this upcoming draft uh, and use them. Because even so, even if we're talking about, like, I don't think you need to trade either of the first this year to get just a nominal wing upgrade. Just because you, know, you just really need a guy. Like, it's like baseball, right? Like, you need an innings eater. Like, the Knicks need an innings eater on the wing. That's what they need. They need a guy that can, they can, they can put out there for. 15 minutes a night and can just do basic level wing things like hit the three at a respectable level, attack a closeout at a respectable level. Don't be just know the defensive scheme and up like play to it at an acceptable level. They don't need a superstar. They just need a guy that can. Do I, think they need, I think they need a guy who's an expert defender in that and the other things you could give on a little bit. So, more. so I agree like long-term that's what they need, but for the purposes of just like bolstering the roster for this season, I'm okay with just getting a guy that can do those things at a decent level. But like what, and I, and Stacey can talk about this more, but like to my knowledge, like this draft has exactly the type of wing wings that you are describing. And that I agree with you that we need, uh, which is why like, like this is why I would be okay with them. Like this is why I would be completely okay. And we've talked to me and Stacey have talked about this, but it's like, like, can you get Gordon Aver just for, expiring contracts maybe and i would do that because one hayward expires after next season and two that gives you like now you can draft a couple of these wings right but and you don't have to immediately expect them to contribute on day one they can they have then they create depth 
and you give those guys time to get acclimated, and then you can introduce them into the rotation as you go along. Um, but like I, again, I'm not a draft guy, but my knowledge is this is a draft that they have. They, they are guys there uh, that fit what they need. You've been driving me crazy with this Gordon Hayward stuff, just because the guy is fantastic on paper. He just doesn't play, and he'd be a heartbreak. You get him, you, you see how fantastic you look for three games with him, and then that's the end. He sits for the rest of the year. Well, I mean, he, he does have a coach who he does have a coach who will limit his minutes. Um, as a but even then, I mean, he, I mean, he just doesn't. He can't stay on the court. He cannot stay on the court. And, and I agree. Five years now. I, and I agree that is like obviously the major risk with him, but like if you're not giving up much to get him, and I don't think the contract like it doesn't matter to me that his contract goes for another year. Contract is helpful. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Like I, like I, we've it talked about it, like, at the right time. We we would have him and Fournier. That's like forty eight million in expiring salary that you can throw in. You have to you, trade Fournier in that deal. You can't yeah. get there any other way. No, no, you can. You, you want can, me to trade Julius for Hayward? If you, if you so do Rose, if you do Rose, and you do Cam. That basically gets, gets you there. That gets you to nineteen. That gets you to nineteen, and then you just have to toss 30, in one, right? and then you have to toss in one other guy, right? So it could be. Uh, I mean, I, I am totally blank. I don't even right. think it. I don't think they get there with those numbers. Yeah, I, I, I'm Hartenstein. 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 Rose yes. Cam. That gets you there. I'm fine with that. I I don't know if the front. This is like this is your point. Like I don't know if the front office would want to take the loss on Hartenstein like that. Um, He's not a loss. What do we pay for him? Exactly. Nothing. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, Alec I, Burks is the thing that kills me. That's what we paid for. I, if they kept Alec Burks. I said it at the time. I was. I, 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 don't I, mean, I looked at Hartenstein, and I looked at his numbers. I watched his highlights with the Clippers. I'm like, this is going to be great because they're going to play him with Obi, and they're going to you know, run some two. They didn't do anything yeah, to make Hartenstein did. work here. They just played him like he's Mitch. <laughs> and he, yeah, I mean, have, am I wrong? Have no, you're not. Him? But I, mean, I, he's I, not I, Mitch. He's not. He's not. He's not. Kind of, he's, he's not he's Mitch. A good rim protector, but he's not a rim protector the way Mitch is. You have to protect him more so that he's just the jump up straight in the air guy at the end of the play. You can't. I, I would and, love and, to and know you're not how many pass or move the ball or do any of the stuff that he's good at. And you know the three pointer thing. I never believed that was yeah. a small sample size myth and. We've seen that. Although the shot looks good to me, when he lets it go, I'm like, ah, oh, that's going in. And I mean, I don't mind him taking. It's, it's like Todd. Yeah, it's like Todd. Like, right? I don't mind him taking one or two of those a game, but it's not like a, a serious weapon. Right? So, yeah, right. Taj made him. Jesus, <laughs> that too. But, but Taj also made him in a small sample size. Like, yeah, but like yes, it, yes, and he's not taking him in Washington. Um. But yeah, like I, I just think Hartenstein, I. I I agree they haven't done anything to like really utilize his skill set. At the same time, I watch him and I'm like, even if we're even if we utilize you for your skill set, like the stuff that you suck at is it, he's just a really bad fit, honestly, with some of the guys we have. Like, because he's a terrible defensive rebounder. So there's just a natural issue when you play him with yeah, Randall. I'm say he's a good rebounder. I'm I'm so stunned. When I look at those numbers, he's like it's like he's a good rebounder. I'm like he doesn't get a rebound ever. He's never gone after a rebound with two hands in his life. Everything's just a tip out. I'm like, who are you tipping gets, it to? Grab him with two damn so hands. Easily. Yeah, like, he gets moved really physically. Easily. I don't want to say physically weak. And he's huge. Ugly. 
Yeah. I, I saw him. We were sitting right by the scorer's table. When he came to check in, I'm like, this dude is massive. He's the same size as Vucevic. I mean, he's a massive dude. And they push him like he's paper. It's it's really frustrating to like. I mean, I can watch. only imagine what Mitch does to it in practice, right? I can only f- f- fucking forget Mitch. I, I've got like this is the Sims thing that drives me. Yeah, Sims is Mitch. I, yeah, Sims. That's the thing about getting Hartenstein is is it seemed like you were giving up on this, uh, you know, this interesting you know, diamond in the rough. Yeah. The, yeah, this guy who I mean, I like personally. I have been fascinated with the idea that uh, Sims playing the four. I love his. <laughs> he's so great on the perimeter. Um, so that's also part of the reason that I wasn't as, you know, timid about moving Obi is like, if you had to have backup minutes at the four from Sims, it wouldn't bother me that much. Yeah, you just need a, 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 a five that can space out the floor a bit. Um, or score. Or score, yeah. Uh, but way. like, yeah. And I, I just, but yeah, like the, the, the Hansen thing to me is like, he's, fine, I guess, but like like you, I would rather use him to get a wing than anything else. Um, and yeah, so... Well, all the guys I gave you, I, I, I viewed as wings, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, <laughs> if we can do that, I... And that's why, like, the Hayward thing would be fine with me. Like, I agree with you, he is injury prone. Just, I, I'm okay with that risk, because... If you get if he is available when he is available he's going to be a massive. You were going to do Hayward. Why not do uh, Tobias Harris instead? I would. I've actually been okay with that. My worry would be that Harris would not be happy about coming off the bench, whereas I think Hayward would buy into coming off the bench. But you, but you could, you could do the same faux start bench thing with put Grimes on the bench, let him come in, play the same. You know, again, play that rotation where I'm talking about where those guys all get their 25 minutes and, uh, you know, Tobias has the honor of being the starter, but you don't necessarily close with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would be okay. Again, his, contracts, his contract ends yep. at the right spot, and, it, and it's a nice, clean $37 million off the books. Yep, and I, and I, I, I would... I think like this is and this this is what it always comes back to for me. It's like there are coaches that I would have no problem with trusting to do exactly what you're talking about. I don't trust Tibbs to do it, uh, and that's like inherently one of the major problems when we talk about trades. Is like there's such a very specific narrow band of players that I like trust Tibbs to to use. But he likes Harris and he rebounds too. And he shoots, and he, and he's he's big enough that I know Tibbs would be like he can play the. I can form. keep him in the game. Yeah, I can keep him in the game. He's tall. <laughs> you know, these and, matter too. If these are long, it counts. And I I do like like I think the nice thing with Tobias is he can he gives you an option to like throw the ball to in the post. Um, other than Julius, they don't really have a guy like that. So I think there's value. He it. He's not. Yeah. A, he's not a hog. Yeah, yeah. He's not like. He's one of these guys that's like not a high assist guy, but it's not because he's like a black hole. He just. He's not a. He's a connective passer. He's not necessarily a creative passer. Um, but the Knicks need connective passers. Like that's why. Uh, like, and I, that, that's the thing with Hayward that I really like is he's both. He's a connective and a creative passer, and I do like 
like I think him and Quickly would be so fucking fun together. I think it'd be really. I see cool. Hayward crumbling and onto the ground in that first <laughs> playoff game, and our whole like we we we're the four seed because Hayward's been so amazing, and then down to the ground. <laughs> now we're back. To, wait, what happens now? We're fine. Yeah. I don't know. Tim's Tim's will figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> Sims will play his minutes. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. I like. I think overall, though, the Knicks are in a good spot. I'm actually very curious to see how. Like, so Booker is out for Phoenix, and I think Campaign has been out, and Shamit has been out. I think both those guys are maybe going to come back today. Um, I think Shamit played in that last game just because he didn't get RIP'd on the dunk. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I like. I think this is. Like, even with Booker, I know they've struggled a bit without Booker, but, like, the Suns are a good team. Uh, they have – we talk about the Knicks don't have wings. Like, the Suns have wings, uh, and they have wings McCall that give Bridges. us – Yeah, McCall Bridges. They have Shamit, obviously. They have uh, Stacy's favorite player in the entire world, Tory Craig. Uh, they, they have – like, really good. Yeah, he's been fucking killing it. This year. I think he's shooting, like, 40% for three or something. He, uh, he'd be a, I mean, those are guys who I didn't put on the list because you can't – you know, contending teams aren't getting rid of players that are part of their contending roster unless you're giving them someone who's a lot better. And, and you know, I don't see that there. But uh, Mikael Bridges is my A number one guy who I think would fit this team. If I could just, like, pluck one player that's not, you know, all NBA, it would be Mikael Bridges. I mean, imagine if the Knicks had a chance to draft him. It would be crazy if they had that opportunity. <laughs> Although I was a Miles Bridges guy. I was Miles a Miles Bridges guy that draft, I, but I was like, uh, it was actually but Knox, anyone but Knox. <laughs> actually, it's really funny. Like that entire cycle, uh, I was like super critical of Bridges because I was just like, he's boring. He doesn't excite me. This is not fun. And, he goes and to but then, like, State. oh, you're talking well, about Villanova. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then, but then, like when we we so we did like a roundtable. This is when I was at writing a and T. We did a roundtable the day like the day of the draft. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Just give me McCall Bridges. I'll take the single. I'll take the the the, the single here. We've taken big swings on uh, Porzingis and and Frankie Smokes. Frankie, worst nickname ever. Uh, but like, I was like, oh, yeah, just give me McCall. But it's yeah, he. It's just it, it'll be. I think this is an interesting matchup. I think uh, Paul has been. I mean, he was. He's still good, but he's so obviously nowhere near the player he was even two years ago. Uh, Brunson can play. It'll be so huge because of that. If, if Brunson plays, I think. Yeah, yeah I think if Brunson plays, we we should win this game. If Brunson plays, without Brunson, it's going to be very hard. Because look, I I still believe that Deuce can be a good player, but right now, at the end of the day, like all he's not making shots, and if you're not making shots with us being down, RJ and Brunson, like it's really hard. So you're effectively playing like, like three guys that you can reasonably expect to create offense and shoot, and then other than that, and then you have Mitch cool. who like, yeah, and then you have Mitch who like creates offense in his own weird way. But it's not. We're like admitting we're admitting this. I like this. Yeah, but he <laughs> he's he's not a shot creator. Um, so like, like it's it's hard, and um, I I just think like without Brunson, it's this is. I don't That's think what I'm trying went. to say about the yeah. flexibility. Like, you know, if you go back through my Twitter feed, you'll see, like, I, I was all up on McBride. Pause. Um, <laughs> with, with, uh, 
Austin Reeves was my other guy who I said those two guys would be the steal of the draft, pre-draft. Um, and it, it's just the way this team is right now, like Tibbs, that's what I'm talking about, Tibbs' lack of flexibility. Right now, McBride is just an awful fit, especially with RJ and, and uh, Brunson out. You need to have someone else on the floor that doesn't allow a guy to just completely collapse off and invite to shoot. I mean, he's just got to make shots. That's like that's what it boils down to. He's got to, and and not just make shots. He's got to. He's not shooting with confidence. You can literally see like he's thinking about it every time he lines it up. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I mean, I think ideally he goes back to like fifteen minutes a game. Yeah, yeah, in the bench role. Um, and I think that that's still useful. Um, I just because of how Tibbs is with the situational thing, I would like to keep him in the rotation. Just because I like us being able to throw someone like that out there. To he actually used to situationally the last yeah. thirty seconds of a, of a quarter. Yeah, but I'm t- I'm talking about more like more like you know it's you know Luca's a bad example because it didn't seem to matter much. But like a guy like um, you know Levine or someone is just killing us, right? Can throw him out there to disrupt their rhythm for a few minutes. If that's something that happens regularly, I think that's something Tibbs will go to more often. So I'd like to see him stay in the rotation. But uh, the I mean I I like the form on his jumper. Um, I think the bigger concern I like him about his offensively. His, his two-point shot has been good. But I would argue, has he really been disruptive on defense the last 10 games? He's not. No, I think, I think, I think was, he was bad against the Spurs. Everyone was bad against the Spurs. Right. Um, Except quickly. Um, yeah. Houston, too. He didn't yeah. bother anybody. I, I didn't watch quickly that. Quickly was fantastic defense. Dallas, I thought, honestly, Dallas, I thought their defensive process until, like, the end was pretty good. Against, I thought Grimes had some really good possessions against. There's absolutely no way they should lose that game. Yeah, it's uh, great. It's, I look at I'm, I look I look back through the the play by play. It's crazy. The, crazy. It, it, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even seem like Dallas scored enough points. I feel like and 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 not just they nailed they they played the, so Dallas got the ball down nine with like forty seven seconds left and the Knicks 33. played that yeah. And no, no, but they first got they first got it with forty seven seconds left, and the Knicks played that situation perfectly. They made them use fourteen seconds and take a fucking two. Like they right. they nailed the hardest part of like seeing out that game. It's I don't even want I can't talk about that game. It's like I, I just I literally I I just I can't. I it's been I one still of the most frustrating process. like weeks. Of I just I, like I said I've gone through it, and it just doesn't even make sense to me that it could have happened. <laughs> I mean, I was at the Reggie Miller game. But, oh, you know, that, that, that was obvious how that happened. But this one just, like, I, I, I just could not see. And they, they did a great job. They, they ran four seconds off the clock before Deuce gets fouled. They moved the ball around, you know. Why doesn't Dallas give up there? Every other team gives I up. Know. What the <laughs> fuck were they doing even? I also think they like, just Why were they even trying? Especially after Hardaway misses. I don't think they expected the intentional miss. Um, I mean, I, I didn't actually, I thought Dallas would try to string it out. I, I give, um, not Carl, I, I give kid credit for that. Um, that's probably the analytically smarter. You didn't think, you didn't think that they were, I mean, when they brought you down the game in the game, you didn't think they were intentionally missing. Yeah. Guys have played did. in two days. I did not. Games, I, I, and, and they bring him in. And, and by the way, were there not offensive, I mean, fouls on both Randall yeah, and no. Mitch. I mean, McGee practically punched Mitch in the face. He had his arm on his head. Pushed him under the basket. Well, the, the crazy and then thing Grimes to me, and McBride both had it in their hands. The right? crazy but thing Julius, to me, Julius is the one who tips it. First, yeah, that's right. That, that's, I mean, guy again, had right after the game, after he said, "I got to control those." 
defensive rebounds. I was but, like, but, but, you, that would have been one to control, but there's no way Grimes should have been there. And, and yeah, Sims, should have been down low on the other block, and yeah. Randall should have been where Grimes is, and he does come down with that rebound. You can't convince me any other way that Randall doesn't. And, I just McBride I, is not crashing into Randall there. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, and even if he does, it doesn't matter. Randall's like not going to feel still it. Still getting it. Yeah, <laughs> he's not going to feel it. Uh, <laughs> but like that, that yeah, that so like that, that that's like one of those things where you're like, I, I you're afraid never, of a foul there. You're afraid of yeah. one of those bad free throw shooters. I just with three seconds left, it's going to get fouled, and then I will never. Gonna I will you. never understand that. I will never understand it. No like way. No I way. think Sims mistake, has I think he just got caught up. I think he got stunned. I mean, I was sitting there holding my drink like this and didn't drink it for like the, the entire time I was until the last, until Luca did it. And then I just went and finished the whole thing. <laughs> I yeah, could not believe was, what I was seeing. It was, it was the I was at with my son. And that was also Brunson and Grimes going to miss four. See two games under expectation. Tell me that those aren't the two. I think it was Brunson, Grimes, um, RJ and, um, Randall and all are Randall missed his early because he made the one. Yeah, that looked like it was going to be the game winner, the and one. And then I was like, because I thought he was missing it, and I'm like, Schwinny's going to be fucking talking about this was free throw all day tomorrow. <laughs> but th- those four went two for eight, and they're all seventy. I mean, RJ's been better from the line overall. Um, Randall's He's been over seventy five. Randall was at that time because that was before. Yeah, he, Randall's had a little. He was over eighty. Line. He was over eighty percent before he pushed quickly away to take the technical. He was over 80. What are, you, what are you doing there? Why are you pushing quickly away? Also, like, why is Tibbs... Like, that's just one... Like, I, I hate... I hate that so much. And it's not, like... It could be anybody. But, like, quickly is the best free throw shooter on the team. It doesn't matter who's on the floor. It doesn't matter what the game situation is. Although he that's, has been oddly bad on technicals. It's like he needs guys on the, on the line. He maybe. has missed a few. Yeah. But it's just like, it's like I, it, even it's, he's what, 86%, I think, from the line right now. Like, he's just got to take every tech. And then it's like, it, it doesn't matter to me what anybody else is shooting. He's Going your best into that shooter. stretch where they missed the free throws, I think Brunson had made like 36 in a row. Grimes had made like 20 plus in a row. Julius had made 30 in a row. RJ had gotten his number from like the high 60s up into the high 70s. So he had to be making it at a crazy clip too. And then missed four in a row. And Brunson's missed the first one. It was I mean, bad. I'm sitting at, I mean, he missed it left and deep. I've never, like, that looked like a free throw I took. <laughs> I've never seen, I, I mean, like, at, at the end of a game, like, it's not like he was like, he just got banged around or something. The, the like, Grimes one was really, like, I, I thought you could tell. He was feeling the moment there. You could see yeah. on the second one. He, yeah. I mean, the cut to his he, face. he rushed it. He, he, he shot those, like, as soon as he got the ball, he shot them. And I'm like, dude, just do your normal free throw thing. Like, don't. And he did it in the NCAA tournament, too. Grimes well, has some stuff at the fourth quarter. Because the, the, the trap, Indiana game? The, 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 the trap against Chicago, yeah. the trap against Dallas, that was terrible. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, I mean, the Dallas one is like, dude, I, I was just going to say that. It was. It was really. It was, but it, but, but you, you, you it was dribbled again to the spot. You can't go to the sideline. It's it's gotta, it was really frustrating to watch. It was really frustrating to watch how quick they called the jump ball there, and then the next game against San Antonio, Julius has one where he's on uh, for like a half hour. Yeah, but like he was on. It was on the baseline, off of a missed free throw, of course. And, like, I forgot who it was. It might have been Sohan. But somebody, the Spurs guy had the ball on the baseline. But he's falling out. And Julius, like, has his hand on the ball. 
and they immediately called a foul on Julius. And I'm like, there's actually not a foul there at all. And you called it like that. Like, why couldn't we get this whistle? The fuck, like, and Hardaway fuck was ago? fouling Grimes. Yeah. I mean, oh, Luka, yeah. Luca got his hand in there, it, and he, it was on the ball, and it, you know, and there was no way Grimes was getting it away from him at that point. But it was way too fast on the whistle, even if just for a clock running. Yeah. You know what I mean? At that point. But, but Hardaway fouled him. Yeah, I mean, it was they, there were a few fouls in that, in that game that they missed down the stretch that ended up costing us. Like, should the Knicks have Offensive won the game anyways? Yeah. Should the Knicks have won anyways? Yeah, probably. But like, it's Definitely. very yeah, it's just very annoying when there's no way that I can they did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, I think that is a good place to end it. What a fun walk down memory lane, uh, reliving the Dallas game. Larry, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my uh, God, let, how much fun! Thank yes. you. <laughs> Let the people know where they can find you, and uh, if you have anything to plug, give it a shot um, right now. Larry Israel too at uh, Twitter uh, on Twitter, and yeah, that's the only place you'd be interested in anything I have going on. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks again for coming on, Larry. Uh, Stacy, let the people know where they can find you, and uh, if you have anything to plug, do it now. Uh, Stacy Patton eighty nine. Um, nothing to plug. Fuck TCU. Yes, uh, fuck TCU. I don't. It's so ridiculous. I will never understand how you overturned that Roman Wilson thing. That was fucking bananas. Uh, fuck TCU. Uh, also, I mean, it's not targeting too. I mean, that's that's it, that, I mean, that if I get why they didn't call it that, right? They're like, we don't want that to decide the game. Then don't go through the charade of the review because that was clearly targeting. If you don't want yeah. to call it, fine. But you know, there's, no, there's no two ways about the fact that. that and was I also like. Excellent. I was not like if they didn't review it, I would have never said anything about it because yeah, I didn't same. say anything about it. Like, it, and then then they keep showing you the replay, and you're like, okay, this is obviously targeting. Like, I don't know what else to say. But um, yeah, fuck TCU. Uh, but more importantly, thank you, Georgia. Um, it's crazy yeah. that people wanted it. Why would they not want Michigan in, in the championship game? Nice. So many more alumni, you know, I mean, better better for TV. And you still were going to keep that game alive there, too. So it made no sense not to call it because that, that game probably, you know, had a monster uh, viewership. How are you oh, yeah. not calling for it? And Coach there? Taylor and never sent the kids to TCU. So how good can they actually be? You know? Right. So. He never said he only sent the kids to TMU, the real <laughs> university. Uh, all right. I have nothing to plug. (laughs) No, thanks a lot, Larry. Uh, I have nothing to plug, so uh, hopefully the Knicks win today. That would be very nice. Uh, And hopefully they just go on a little run again because they made all this ground when they won eight in a row and then they gave all of it back, all those where they lost five in a row. So let's go on another run. Let's get some separation. Schedule's there for it. It is. It is. Uh, All right, that is our pod for today. I hope everybody has a great week. I hope everybody had a very safe New Year's. Uh, Good luck with all your resolutions. That is our pod for today. I will see everybody on Friday.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.